0: What is up, guys? It's Stu. It's another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And earlier in 2020, I essentially turned off working with new clients. You know, we went from accepting probably one in three, one in four, to probably one in 10 throughout 2020. Because of everything going on, I needed to take care of my home base, which is Urban Movement. We were getting ready to roll out the license model. I just could not devote the time to working with any additional micro gym owners. I am opening that back up. And that number is 40. I will work with 40 gym owners per month. That is it. I currently probably have anywhere from 15 to 18 spots available right now. If you're interested in working with me without any contract, without any bullshit, literally you book it month to month to month for either 30 minutes or a 60-minute call you pick and have full access to Micro Gym University and have a bat phone where you can literally access me via text audio, video, phone call, whatever it is, when shit is popping off in your business, then please shoot me a DM right this fucking second on Instagram, at WTF Gym Talk, and tell me you're interested in working together. I'd love to talk with you more about it. Enough of the plug. Let's get on with the podcast. All righty, guys, what is up? It is Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I have Chris Howell with me. Chris, you are, what is your role with SXPS? I'm sorry, SPX. Yeah. Um, started
1: SPX about five years ago. And okay.
0: yeah, I, the so you're founder CEO. CEO. Okay. You're yeah. founder and CEO. Okay. I mean, you're, you're a New York guy. You went to Hofstra. Yeah. You're, you're a smart dude. You've been doing, you did some consulting, um, you know, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, from traditional educational university to founding a, a, a company that is adjacent and serves the fitness industry?
1: Yeah. Um, I, uh, so yeah, I went to Hofstra um, and I, I played lacrosse there and that was like my main goal in life, like was to play a collegiate sport. Like that was, that was just, I was obsessed with that. Uh, I played ice hockey growing up and then kind of transitioned to lacrosse. And when I was playing lacrosse, I I was exposed to like a division one strength conditioning program. So I had, there was this dedicated strength coach whose only role was to make us better on the field. And I was exposed to programming. I was exposed to basically group training, right? I was working out with the defense and saw the flows and, you know, super setting things and this and that. And I was like, just fascinated by it. And then how it translated to the field. I was like, man, like, I came in at 170. I left at 195. Like, of course, I was getting older and stuff, but hand cleaning and this and that was like it made a huge difference. Um, and then I, I really was—I uh, graduated with economics and philosophy. Um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and then kind of backpedaled into economics as something that like I could actually use. Um, but actually, philosophy was more of like a like a glorified like English major. So I was writing a lot. So communication and and being able to write was actually probably more of the skill set that I use now. But um, I went to Wall Street and I was a trader for about three and a half years. And I thought that was kind of a really good, gonna be a really strong transition from like athletics to something competitive. Um, But it really wasn't for me. Um, I I, I was kind of lost. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I kind of went back to what I really liked, which was that strength conditioning experience. And at the time, fitness group fitness in Manhattan was like really popular. Soul Cycle, Barry's Bootcamp, Boxing. This was uh, 2017. Okay. Yeah, so I graduated in 14, and then I uh, I I left uh, Wall Street on 17, and then I just became a personal trainer. So I was like certified on the desk. So like on the trading desk, I like got my I got uh, NSCA CPT, I got my CSCS. I was like, just like spending all this money on certs, TRX certified, some local gym. I did that. And I was like this fitness trader. Uh, and I was just sending out these emails every morning. And I, I had this like group called 5am training. So it was like the traders and bankers. And I'd send out these workouts every day. Um, and I was like compressing gifts. Cause everyone was like, how do you, what's this exercise? So I was sending these gifts out. And so there was no download time. And at the time, like, every program was like using YouTube to let people like leave their emails. So I was like, no, I want people to just stay here and just be like, okay, got it, understand. So that was my first itch. I was like, I really like this. I like this business piece of mixing fitness and I like helping people. Um, So yeah, then I tried to, (laughs) this is kind of embarrassing, but I tried to get a raise from my boss. And so I bluffed saying that I had like an opportunity from another bank and he just was like, pack your stuff. <laughs> and so I'm standing out front in a tie with my box of stuff. And, you know, so I just went home, dropped my stuff off. And I went to this like boutique uh, PT spot. And I walked in, I was like, hey, I want to be a trainer. And they're like, awesome. Who, how many clients do you have? And I was like, zero. And they're like, you're going to teach group fitness. And luckily, like, I, I just, that was kind of how I started.
0: And then uh, I was was that? But, so say that, where was that again?
1: It's, that was at a a place called Exceed, uh, okay. personal training, and yeah, they okay. have two locations. Yeah, in Manhattan.
0: Okay. So, so you get into there, but like, we, let's take it to. I mean, for everyone again, if you, you the pre roll hasn't done it for you or whatever, yet, the SPX Fit is is not a gym. It's not a training no, company. No. It you literally you mainly do your. I'd say yeah. the the biggest thing the way I I bumped into you with mutual. Uh, Like Chuck Fedorka, mutual people that we know um, is going to be, you guys design facilities, mainly boutique facilities. How did you go from economic, you know, uh, Hofstra Laxbro, and I play lacrosse too, so it's not a dick. And then, uh, (laughs) and then, fucking to, you know, trade, you know, you get, you go, you go the finance route, you go the money route, right. You're in New York city, yep. right. You chase the money. Then you go yep. to this, like, I got a bunch of certs, but I got no clients fucking trainer. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. How, exactly. did that,
0: how did that go to interior design?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I was so frustrated with trading my time for money. So I was like, I have to wake up at like five in the morning to get a five 30 client. And then like, I'm going through the evening. And actually when I was first starting, I had this like cold calling job. So from like nine to four, like the classic dead periods, I would go and like do tech sales, cold calling. And then I'd go back to the gym and do PT and group fitness. Um, eventually I, and, and New York's great for this type of thing. I was just, I wanted, I was obsessed with networking. So I was just grabbing coffee with all these people. And um, I, I met someone who really liked my background and was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm working on this membership hospitality group and they want to scale out like uh, a group fitness program for all their locations globally. I was like, Oh, that sounds really exciting. So it's like, you know, documenting SOPs and this and that. And I was like, I could do that. Um, and so I got a, like a contract, which with that group and, um, and it was with a, a membership group called Soho house. And so I, I started working with them for about two and a half years. And it started with this group fitness thing, but then it ended up they were opening locations and they kept just like punting things to me. Uh, So they'd open a location. Then I get a phone call from an architect being like, Hey, like what kind of treadmills are popular now? And then I'd be like, Oh, you know, that's a good point. So then I'd start noticing treadmills at like Equinox and different gyms and things. They'd start looking it up. And then it's was, Hey, like, it seems like a lot of people are using these. And after, you know, we did like 30 locations with them. So, by like, you know, after the first five, I was like, man, I know products like pretty, like pretty well. And I, I was just, I really enjoyed it. Like I would look it up just like I'd look it up like a, like a company of a stock or something. I would just be like, you know, what, how do these things work? Like, what are their what are they off market pricing versus, you know, direct um, from the vendor and like, you know, how, what's the warranties and things like that. So I could go back to these architects and, and designers being like, Hey, like, these are the, the popular ones. And then I wanted to go find ones that no one knew about in like little corners of the world that make great things. And um, one of them was like Watson Gym Equipment, which is like they make like stainless steel dumbbells and like custom, like great custom machines. And we found them like probably in tw- uh, 2019. And they just were like only in the UK at that point, 2018, 2019. And then now in the U S you just see them all over the place, which is pretty cool because they do make a great product and they, they are good craftsmen, but yeah. Um, so then that's kind of how I rolled into it. I just started doing more and more and being more involved in these gyms from A to Z. And then eventually I would actually go to these um, new locations and do pre-opening operations. So like I had like, I'm so fortunate to be able to like, kind of like design and open these gyms and spend 30 to 45 days on site to like open it up, you know, um, creating like those really, you know, when's the trash go out? When's the the checklist for opening, checklist for closing, things like that. So I got to do that like 30, 30 sometimes. And um, I just was like, I got to see a lot of different problems and a lot of good things happen too.
0: But this was under another company? This was- Yeah, that was, was- That was
1: under- yeah. And, and so they actually contracted me They They came to me and they're like, Hey, like, you know, was that arena really like, to... no, that that's actually just a, that's another kind of venture that that was later. But, uh, I started SPX, uh, within that, that, um, with Solo House. so they didn't employ me. They contracted
0: me. So you had, a, so you had I, to come up with an LLC cause you're a 1099, right? So you come exactly. up with an LLC. Yeah, you come up with your LLC, your 1099, and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm just a contractor. And you essentially, you took what you did contracting, why I'm just trying to sum this up for everybody, you're taking what you did contract, why it's like, I'm fucking good at this. And if I Google it, there's not a ton of people fucking doing this. No. And you're in the mecca of boutique. Like I tell every micro gym owner, you need inspiration for your gym, whether it's design, brand, execution, operational capacity, whatever. Fuck, go to New York. Maybe not right this side. Maybe not now. In the past two years, but like (laughs) typically, go to New York. I would do a 24 hour day trip, and I'd go bing, 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 but fucking hit everything that I've never seen, and because it's all there um, LA is slightly similar to UK is even better. Like nobody does yeah. interior design like the UK. Like you got John Reed That's Fitness true. and some locations yep. in the U S that are getting fucking dope. But like beyond that, um, I tell you, go and go and see this. So you're there, you are in New York. SPX fitness is kind of born out of like the need to 1099 and, you know, get, get paid as a contractor. How did you go from getting like, cause you have these clients, I'm assuming there's some kind of non-compete or something. Like how did you then go to be like, it's like, were you able to then just start going and procuring clients however you want using what you did with Soho House as your yeah. proof of concept?
1: Yeah, it, it was one of those things. And I wanted to make it seem like I liked being a part of that group. And like, I, I had a, an amazing time with them. Like um, we got to work on like a lot of cool projects, but I also realized that they were this huge billion dollar company and I wanted to. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I have a firm. That was the conversation. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a bunch of us but it was just me. So I called my, like my best friend, Frank. And I was like, Hey, like, you know, he was pushing protein at the time, like selling protein, like to, to different companies and stuff. And I was like, do you like what you're doing? He's like, no, I was like, I need help. Like, come on over. And I was like, Hey, yeah, here's my other business partner, Frank. So then we like <laughs> created this, like this company. And then we just were able to like, I was like, I know we can do this. Let's just execute. Like, right I know now. that we can, us two can be like a company of six. Like, let's just go all in. And so that's what we ended up doing. And we just consumed all this information, learning from the architects, learning from interior designers, learning from the GCs, and then taking kind of this experience of like doing the pre-opening operations and like documenting. So we'd be, I'd be in Mumbai and he would be like in a, a downtown Los Angeles. And I'd be like, yo, I just thought of this thing. What if there's a Google form checklist and we just put the photos in there so that even if someone didn't speak English, they'd be like, oh, turn off the lights. That's oh, what yeah. it looks like. And so we just started doing that. And I was like, "Man!" And then he called me, and he's like, "I just tried this thing in Amsterdam." I'm like, "We got to do that." I'm like, "You're right. That's genius. Let's do it." Um, so then we just kept going back and forth like that. Um, and then how we got more clients was that the, the company that we were working with was just an attractor. So once we threw something like you know we were working with this company, uh, Soul House, um, and they didn't they you know they wanted to vet products, so. Um, you know, like Fer- like Farragut, for example, at the time, they wanted to be a part of Soul House. So I met them and then, you know, we just formed a great relationship. And then they were like, hey, we're looking to get some more trainers in New York City. And because of my time, personal training, I knew a lot of trainers in New York City at, at different places. So I'd be like, hey, Stuart, like, you know, have you heard of Sing Farragut? Like to ship you one. Like, um, you know, we just post this and that. We're doing an event, come to the event. You come to the event, we'll get you sorted out. And you'd be like, yeah, that's cool. I love, you know, that's a six hundred dollar product. I'm, I'm in. Um, and so we were able to kind of just meet all these people through this this one uh, project, and then we just built up a lot of experience and a and network through that. That just even today, just like, is a hub for us.
0: So okay, Soho House, you know, and uh, is the Soho Strength Lab? Is that also is that affiliated with them? Uh, no, no. Okay, so just uh, same area in New York. Um, That's a, yeah, it's an
1: independent it's just a,
0: gym. Yeah, it's just, so for everyone, uh, SoHo is like a borough of New York. It's an area, it, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. a neighborhood district. Okay, um, I know you've done work with them as well, uh, the Strength yeah. Lab. Um, but, so, okay, you get the SoHo House contract. They're in a, they're in yeah. a tractor. Word spreads. You guys go, I'm curious – because I, okay, so I, uh, when I bought my building here in Charlotte and I was upfitting it for my gym, you know, you're, you yeah. are, you're working with, there's three main guys you're working with. You're working with an architect, you're working with uh, MEP engineers, and then you're going to be working yeah. with your GC, right? Those are like the big three, okay? Mm-hmm. How did, how, where does your role, because like, you know, when I'm doing that, I'm opening up a facility. I, in my head, again, yeah, I'm doing this as a small-time entrepreneur, you know, small business owner. There's no bandwidth for, right? Like, what, you you know what I had? I had Pinterest boards, right? That was my yeah. version of you was, right? it was fucking Pinterest boards. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, and traveling and seeing other things and taking notes and what, you know, what wood colors and tones go good with this metal and this color and blah, blah, blah. OK, so how do you guys think about because it's it's a niche thing. And whenever a yeah. small business starts off, they're always looking at how do we price this? And they compare it. They, they use a historic in the market. Someone else who's doing similar work, how are they pricing? Because that's the number that's the hardest thing for you to think of, right, in the beginning. How did you guys come up with your pricing? And talk to me. What is what is a fee or what is a retainer that you guys might prescribe to someone like a Soho House or uh, a yeah. Performix?
1: Yeah. Um, no, it's a, it's a great question because it is so, like, opaque um, typically be like, Hey, we want to work with you. Then the next question is, how does it work? How does this, how, how how does this work? So there are a couple, there are a couple companies that are, are like us that, that do, do what we do. Um, and I found that there's kind of two structures of how the businesses can work. One is you have a relationship and you're kind of a distributor for the, for one or two or three companies. So if you look at a lot of the work, you can kind of tell like where, um, you know, if it's all like Matrix equipment, right, then they probably have a relationship with Matrix. They're probably making some money as a wholesaler to do that. I didn't want to go that route. I wanted to go the route where it's like, we just want to build like the coolest gyms, like we just want. And it's like, you're like, hey, like, we don't like the Watson dumbbells. Okay, we have all these other options. So our structure is, you know, we'll look at the square footage of the space, we'll look at kind of like what you want to do. And, and, and then we'll, we'll price it accordingly based on like, honestly, the historicals of like what we've done in the past, um, and knowing how much time and involvement now, just like an architect or, or just like, um, you know, interior designer, you might quote something and then you're like, man, this client is tough. They're just all on you all the time and they can't make up their mind. That's the biggest time thing, right? It's like, you're just like, oh, I like bright and airy. And you're like, start spending all this time on these on on equipment and, and they customization. Come back, they're like we want
0: dark moody tones now you dark know?
1: and athletic yeah. and you're like okay all right and then they're like we want to open in 2 months and you're like change order yeah they no change- sh- there's <laughs>
0: change orders that expand yeah. the timeline and the scope of the project which thus need to expand the fucking price
1: yeah and and that's tough because you know you don't want to fracture that relationship and 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 receiving a change orders is you know some people are like yeah I know I know what I did as a client versus like that's not what you told me Yeah. Um it's not how you, you know, so it's tough. And and honestly, we've always hold to that that premise is like we just want to do like very cool projects. So the moment that we're like, this doesn't feel right, I'll just be like, I don't want to, you know, I don't think this is a good fit for us. And I'd be like, it sounds like you just want, you know, and no knock on this. Sounds like you just want to go to roguefitness.com and like if you want a list, I'll send you a quick list on rogue and you just you can have a phenomenal gym. Like there's no problem with that. But I'm not going to, you know, be on the, be on the phone with you, you know, arguing, going back and forth on on what you want. Or so that's tough. But uh, I also I, I've kind of learned that from like Wall Street. It's like, man, if this doesn't feel good, the whole reason I'm going down this path is to be happy, right? Like, I don't want to do something I don't want to do. Otherwise, I'd still work on the trading floor, you know. So so the moment something doesn't feel good, and knowing the difference between like something that's challenging versus something that doesn't feel good is also important, but. Um, and, and, and having the discipline to be like, this is just not the right relationship, no matter the fee, no matter the money.
0: Now, are you guys even, are you guys picking out everything from the fixtures? And when I say fixtures, you know, I'm talking the lights, I'm talking the, the seat, you know, there's, if there's lounge furniture, front desk, uh, design, all that kind of stuff.
1: It it, it depends. And like, to be completely honest, like we haven't gone like soup to nuts on like doing a full interior design. Usually it's like, we're working in tandem. So if it's a it's a separate interior designer or it's an architect designer, they usually will get to the gym portion and they'll be like, "Hmm, how do we solve this?" Sure. Um, and so they'll have like starter pieces, and then if they're like, "Hey, we want to put," um, you know, I'm making this up, but like a fabric couch by in by the lock like in the lobby by the locker rooms. Immediately, I'm like, "You can't, you can't do that." Yeah, because there's gonna be sweaty sweaty people. sweaty
0: people on fabric, homie. You don't want that leather yeah. will work. You're
1: gonna have, <laughs> yeah. And even so like budget in, it's like, you probably might have to get a different couch because even just sweaty pe- people are gross. People, yeah. Humans are disgusting. Yes, they and are. even leather, you're going to start seeing body prints and stuff like that. Yep. So, um, and then like you have, might have a designer who's like, awesome, amazing. And they're going to put like a light right here on the wall at like six feet height yeah. at, or seven feet. And you're like, well, we can't use that wall now. So, or, or like a, a pendant light looks awesome. But then yep. you, you're doing a, mil- a military press and you're gonna hit this light. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of this give and take, and like we can like talk. And and if they want to do a drop ceiling, and they're like, yeah, now we're at like seven point eleven on the on the ceiling height. And you're like, what are we gonna do in this place? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So and and that's uh, kind of
0: you're also probably stepping on the dick of the architect at that point.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and sometimes it, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's it's tough because you know we, we'll leave. We always want to leave with a happy client, but if that sometimes we have to like make the interior designer, like backpedal some things or the architect, you know, eat their own words sometimes, then like, we're we're going to call those out.
0: And so, so just so I understand again, in in this kind of a dream team, so most of small business owners, again, they're going to, the bare minimum GC architect engineers. Yeah. You guys are now looking at those three plus interior designer, plus some like an SPX, right? Yeah. Because so you're essentially you are then the equipment architect. Then there is an interior yeah. designer who is creating the vibe and feel and bringing the brand to life and a physical manifestation. And then there's mm-hmm. the actual architect making sure this is all sta- putting his fucking seal of approval yeah. on it, making sure it's all going to be kosher. The engineers that make sure everything's not going to kill anybody. And then the GC who gets all the fucking grunt work done. Like that's all to, is that like the full yeah. Wake team? Yeah, that's okay. that's
1: the team. And, have and you guys we th- kind of fit
0: in. Have you guys ever thought about bringing in like an architect in house? So, you know, you have, yeah. you're playing nice with somebody.
1: Yeah, we actually, we actually are, uh, we literally just hired one, uh, two oh, days ago and, uh, she's phenomenal. Like this, this, she's an absolute killer. She's been in the space for a long time. She's been, uh, during that group fitness boom, like we're talking like flywheel, uh, rumbles, uh, fitting rooms, like all, all these like group fitness, um, studios, um, so she just knows exactly what we're talking about, knows what we need, like, and she's just, she's been great. So we'll be able to kind of, um, you know, be able to offer that turnkey solution if it's present, you yeah. know?
0: And so a lot of gym owners listening So like, uh, so why would I hire guys like this when I can go on rogue myself, I can go to woodway yeah. myself or whatever. Again, you know, they're brands that a lot of gyms, micro gyms don't even know exists like none of them have fucked with pent fitness right none of them have bought <laughs> fucking you know four hundred dollar eight kilogram kettlebells from pent fitness right if, if anyone's not familiar that's a very luxury <laughs> fitness brand you see it in bougie hotels wooden fucking handles stainless steel bells it's i mean yeah. beautiful i mean craftsmanship Beautiful stuff. Uh, beautiful stuff um meant for probably the places that are not going to have commercial grade utilization, more, you know, sparing utilization. Uh, It's what Kim Kardashian would probably have in her fitness room. Right. Um, but so for you guys and you're out there and you're checking out, like right now I look at the scene and you go back when I got into the industry and, you know, I go back 15 plus years, you know, the techno gyms and the uh, pre-core machines, everything was kind of big and bulky and like the bigger the display and the buttons on the cardio equipment, the better. Um, and everything's kind of gone the way of minimalism, like, you know, functional fitness mm-hmm. equipment in, in what rogue fitness has done. And by, I read your article on medium rogue going rogue back when they kind of, you know, with the whole CrossFit thing uh-huh. and going different. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great take back then. And obviously oh, it played out. I mean, it's, it's, it's played out. It's still a role, you know, they're still involved with CrossFit, but you're right. Rogue fitness doesn't need CrossFit. CrossFit needs rogue fitness. Someone's got to set up that fucking yeah. equipment at the games. Um, <laughs> but But, uh, so, I mean, like looking at it from that perspective, where is the trend now? Like who is the equipment provider that you believe now plays better in this more minimalist type? And again, I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I I would, I just kind of think the minimalism is kind of the design model that maybe most people aesthetically want to go to who are the big players right now, like, uh, and companies that you guys are using.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. I, and I agree. And that's kind of our, our kind of philosophy is like, you know, we're kind of looking for that open concept, that open, a lot of space, a um, lot of free weight options. We're getting a, like totally kind of nixing this, like a lot of like selectorized pin loaded pieces. Not that they're bad. It's also, it plays into the utilization and then also the experience as well. It's like how people feel. And I think like for a lot of your audience, like that's, that's, that's a lot of like what we're, we're talking about here. And like There's no difference between the solo house and one hotels and how they, their goal of like, Hey, this is how we want guests to feel is like exactly what, um, you know, a gym owner would be like, this is how I want my members to feel when they enter the space. And that's what like a lot of the equipment can help with. Um, so like rogue fitness is like, they're just like, they're the beast. Like we literally ordered something like the other day from them and it was shipped literally the same. It's, it's here it's like at, it's at our warehouse it's like it's it's crazy how these guys have improved through the pandemic um and then it's forcing like a lot of the competitors like titan um <clears throat> titan and 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 fringe and like all these other like smaller like you know they're not bad at all like they're making good stuff it's just kind of like this is what you see this is what you're going to get and then um and then you have like much more expensive ones like sorenx i love love Sornex stuff like that to me personally, like how I like to work out, like I would just have them come in and do like, you know, they're
0: South Carolina. It was it or South Carolina plant? Yeah. Yeah, HQ.
1: yeah. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's cool. And they're the guys there are just so helpful. And so so uh if you ask them a question you're like, hey, this would be cool too. And you're like, that is cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um so they have a lot of experience too. But yeah, like there's nothing wrong with like rogue and, and things like that. It's like But if there's a a client that wants something different, unique, and more, that's where we're going to try to push the envelope, is literally to the point it's like nobody's doing this. Like, literally, no one is doing what we're talking about right now. And that's where the trickle down effect can occur. So, like, right now, a big push for us is like residential developments. And, like, why do people have to settle in and be like, oh, it's, you know, it's an apartment gym? That phrase just drives me nuts. It's like, why does it have to be that? Why can't, like, so let's right now, our whole thing is like, we're going like head to head with some of these people being like, we're not getting all these machines. That's just not what's going to happen. We're putting a one squat rack in here. Because yeah. like you just told me you want a younger demographic coming in and renting from your place. They, they're going to come in here, and be like, this is not what I'm used to.
0: The pro- so, and, and I want to see if you've run into this. So I'm in the, yeah. I do, I'm in the commercial real estate scene as well. And so most of the problems with the multifamily residential co- apartment complexes, they want, like, I th- I see a lot of them. I think they truly want to build out luxurious fitness centers to then be able to sell to the tenant. You don't need to go get a $200 a month boutique gym membership. The only problem yeah. is the entire first floor of that fucking building is going to be retail that they're going to lease out. And guess what? In orange, they're, they're not going to sign. They're not going to give that apartment complex a non-compete or a a no issue on a fitness use on the first floor right and it just becomes so that becomes tough it's like are we really going to go put a million dollars into our fitness facility when fucking an eat the frog or a berries is going to be directly underneath (laughs) of us like we're we're going to lose that battle all day yeah and that
1: was something that like you know that was really particular with soul house is that they they're um if for people that aren't don't know it's kind of like a country club but for in the cities so it's like you you become a member and like you have like food events you know the pools and stuff like that so they're saying it's like that if me and Stuart were gonna go and, and do a workout on the west side of Manhattan and our plan was to end up at Soho House there's too much time to be intercepted so like hey we're gonna go to various boot camp on the west side and then we'll have brunch at Soho House and Stuart's like well I know this place down the street we don't have to go all the way back there and I go you're right and then we never make it there. Yeah. So that was their goal. And like, it's similar. to like, hey, why, you know, why are uh, you going to pay $200 a month Equinox? And again, I'm, I'm just kind of talking about like New York prices right now. Sure, but sure. like, you know, you're already paying $2,000 a month for your studio apartment. And then you're going to pay $200 for your Equinox. And then the building's like, hey, if you pay $75 a month, you can work out at our gym. But then yeah. classic stereotype is the gym's just not like Equinox. It's not yeah. like what I'm used to. So, um, and then you have younger people moving to these cities and, and you know, they have a concept of what they want, but the developers and, and buildings just aren't, they're just plugging away at the same thing for the past 10, 15 years.
0: You see, cause I'm seeing a little bit of it. Um, do you see the resident, are they going to go beyond the open gym format and try to create boutique, like a hit, like a very agnostic hit style in there to, to compete with that? Because I mean, I've seen some of the build outs of these places. I mean, I've seen 1800 to 2000 square foot build outs of fitness yeah. facilities. And I'm like, fuck, you could run 25 people in here in a class if you you laid out the facility, right? Like w- how much extra would it be then to do that? And would that be a, would that be enough of a unique sales proposition to lure somebody away from the boutique, the berries, whatever it may be? I think that
1: I yeah, it's great. I it's great because I think that pre pandemic when group fitness was kind of like this bubble. And I think everyone knew that it's like, you're spending like 45 bucks per class, $50 after the water bottle and the shoe rental. Yeah. And you're going two or three times a week. It's like not sustainable. It's, it's sure. it doesn't make any sense. And you're only going because of the per- you like the person. Yes. Right. It, it, it's, it's too, it's not, it's not. And the value prop too is like, you're just sweating in these, these humid rooms. Yeah, So a lot of the group fitness is like they're messing messing with the HVAC so that you feel like you're in this like humid room, but you're not hot. Yeah. Uh, So, but now I would say that at least what we're saying is like, don't try to compete with those. Like you guys aren't going to get the quality based on your budget. that you're telling me of like instructor to come in where people are going to go nuts and like, they're going to come down from all their rooms to come into the studio and be like, Oh, they're here. Like, you're going to get the the guy, the, me, you're going to get me who left Wall Street, who's looking to try to like, figure it out. Yeah. And I'll take I'll take a $50 cut to, to teach a group fitness class. Yep. But that's not what people it's not what they're looking for. So focus on what you can do from a, a low touch standpoint, which is, you know, CapEx spend on the budget. And then yeah, you, you have some some, um, some group group classes, but even like digital solutions. So like, an overflow room is like super common now because people are like just taking like mats, laying them down in the gym and like grabbing a dumbbell and a kettlebell, put propping their phone up and they're doing a Peloton class. Right. So like get these people off the floor and then make a room where you can actually get like, maybe you can cat, like, you remember the old school like gyms where you get on the treadmill and you could tune in the TV one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like what if you could load your app and screen share to screen one and then now, you have eight screens and then when you're running an event or something, you can actually compile the entire screens together. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just like so many things that are changing, but we're saying that's like, don't try to compete with these guys. Like that's all they're focused on is creating an amazing class. Let them do that. Yeah. But for the tenants that want, don't want to go to Equinox, that's where you can like, kind of, that's where you can compete.
0: Yep. I'm uh I want to talk, one of the projects that I, I, was, I did at the time when I, when I discovered it, I didn't know, I was unfamiliar with you guys or anything like that, but um, I knew the concept behind it, and I was so intrigued by that, and that is mm-hmm. Performix House. Now, yeah. Performix House, for anyone not familiar, was a, uh, a high-end boutique, $900 or so a month, and the idea was it was meant <laughs> to be the Instagram influencers gym. Right. Like when you were mentioning, like somebody propping up their phone on a kettlebell to watch something, I am even more when in my travels, when I go around, I'm seeing someone prop their phone up, you know, it's got the magnetic back and they're slapping on the squat rack and yeah. they're making their TikTok or they're doing whatever influencer shit that they do in fitness. And that's probably the genre, like you don't see a ton of people, influencers making pad tie. You don't see a bunch of influencers driving <laughs> Uber. You don't see a bunch of influencers even doing music, which is ins- it's kind of silly, but like fitness probably has the largest portion of the pie of an online social media influencer. That's what per- that was the model behind Performance House. We're going to make this super expensive and it's going to be like the yeah. elite influencers of the elite and then their elite followers that are willing to pay the fucking money can go and work out there and it's going to create this entire thing. Pandy happened. New York location goes bye bye. the alley location. Never pandy. even got. Yeah. The panty. Um, yeah. I love that. <laughs> and the alley location never, I mean, it got, it got built out, but never launched or what happened there? Yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I remember uh, when I first heard about performance house and that's like what all the coaches and trainers were talking about. They like wanted to be, there was like this recruitment effort. You had to, the to apply best coaches and trainers.
0: Yeah, like You had to apply and had to look at your followers, your brand, like mm-hmm. who you mm-hmm. were. I mean, you couldn't just like pay to be there.
1: No, 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 no. It was, it was like, Hey, like you can come in. And one of the pushes was that there was no overhead. So as the, the trainer, like you have a rent free place that is, you know, looks awesome. Films great, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're saying, Hey, come in here and just bring your clients and we're not going to charge you. you take what you want. Um, and then on the other side is that they're charging these three membership tiers, which was, uh, you know, at the time was like I think it was like two 270- seventy. Uh, it was like four hundred, seven hundred, nine hundred, yeah. and they were like Forbes was covering this like the thousand dollar a month. Yeah, oh yeah, it got a ton of
0: clickbait. It it really yeah, did. It was, it was
1: it was good, and the whole premise was it is that you know Performix was it is a supplement company, and Performance House was supposed to be this physical location that you can go and visit, take the pre workout, take the post workout, take the BCA's, and try it. Kind of what Gymshark's doing now in the UK. Yeah, it just, which was pretty cool, but. And this like, is like a larger theme that I think is, is true, but like, and and I see it often is that I think the last generation's version of the gym was the bar. It's like, Hey, let's me and you open a bar together. Like yeah. we love, you know, we have a lot of friends. We can, yeah. we love going to the bar. Like, let's have our own party. It's like, now people are like, I'm going to open a gym, but they don't think about, like the actual business. It's like, we're talking widgets. Like we're talking people. We're trying, like, let's, how do we increase these numbers? This is not like us having fun. Um, and I think Performance House was victim of that flash, like that flash, right? The moment that I heard they're not charging trainers or anything, I'm like, how are these guys gonna ever make money in, in Manhattan, especially with a, a place um, on 14th Street in like Union Square, which is like, you know, Fifth Avenue was, sure. was one of those streets. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. And like, it, it did, it pushed a lot of marketing, but about a year and a half in, um, two years, there was like this, this huge cash crunch. And so we actually, I actually was contacted to come in and try to like, take a look and figure out like what we could do. So you can like, guess, what can we, we,
0: how can we cut costs and how, get rid of some of how this How can we figure this or?
1: out? Yeah. How, how can we, how is there a chance? And so I came in. And as you can imagine, I wasn't the, the trainer's favorite person. Cause the moment I came in, I was like, you guys are all paying money now. Like there's no rent So they free. brought
0: you in, in <laughs> more business consulting, not design.
1: Yeah. So that was, that was cause at the time, like I had a couple projects that I was doing, like different things as, that were outside of the scope of what, what I'm doing completely now. So that's like, you know, product testing or, or the operations and I think that's why a lot of the content you put out, I really, I really relate with because it's just like no BS, like you're not running a charity. And like this isn't for fun. Like this is business. If you wanted to go to a gym, like there's so many other people that have gyms, you just go and leave and don't think about it. So that's what I was trying to paint a picture. It was like, you know, this isn't a charity. Like if you don't want to be here, go get a job at another gym. And I think fitness does have this problem is like the moment like if I reached out and I sent you a pack of clothes. That doesn't mean that you're famous like you know and and i think it's intoxicating uh, as well and you know there was a little bit of a, a culture environment as well which i mean i think a lot of people probably listening to this are like it takes work to to create a, a good culture and it also doesn't take long to to poison the well yeah so like you know that was a lot of the things that we that i was doing it was you know cutting costs looking to revamp the business model but again, they were looking to expand to LA, so they were looking at like me as this like a little bit of like a Swiss Army knife. Like, oh, he'll do the gym in LA, but here's our immediate problem. And so I was like, I'm like, hey, I could use some pipeline. So like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> sure,
0: sure. And so, oh, so did you? I mean, too little, too late, though, at that point, especially with COVID.
1: Yeah. Pretty- so. Uh- well, what change like what were you was... able to
0: were you what changes were you able to get going uh quickly? Because oh. that's that's my favorite part about this job is that you come in and there's generally like they're not hiring us unless they expect to make changes. Sometimes the changes are aggressive to the point where like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we yeah. were just like, I thought we were just kind of doing this. And you want me to, you're thinking I need to do this. And you're like, yeah, yeah motherfucker, because you, yes, you have to do this. And there's resistance there sometimes. And when a company like Performix, it's not that you're not dealing with one small business owner, mom and pop. You're dealing with a lot of money into a project yes. from multiple, multiple people with big fucking egos and who are already successful. And for like I got yeah. that's that's a tough thing to go in and start oh, fucking. So-
1: I think you would have crushed it. I think looking <laughs> back, I, I definitely should have I should have been a more aggressive and more like uh you know, just like I was if I was trading something, like I'd just be like, yo, this is this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but but uh I think in and I think you would have really enjoyed that because there was a lot of money. There was a board of directors, there yep. were these these uh uh PE firms that were involved in in propping up the entire business. So like anything like Cap CapEx or operating expenses which was looked at P and L's, but like, just to give you a sense, like, like basic, basic, basic level things weren't present. Yeah. It was What's, just, you it, know, it, it, I don't it's, know.
0: You no, know, I, I get it. And for anyone else, like, you know, they're like, wow, with well, all that money behind it. And obviously these people are pretty successful to make that money. You got to understand. It. And you see this even at like the orange theory level, smart money, doctors, fucking sir, like whatever, like people that make a lot of money, get into and invest in fitness because it is at the time a very attractive cash flowing <laughs> asset. Yeah, it is. It's very attractive. um, But when they get into it, you know, a lot of these guys just like, I throw money and things have like the, you really get into the nitty-gritty and you get a soldier, someone who's in the fucking trenches like you or me in there and we're talking and we're like bro you don't even have the like the foundation <laughs> here you don't even have a way for people to check like for us to follow up with who's coming in or this just the basic yeah. systems that a fucking you know a gold's gym would laugh at like a gold's gym yes. which is a, not a sophisticated franchise model I would I would argue compared to something what performance house is trying to be, but you could just go and be like, go fucking work at gold's gym for two weeks and you'll learn more. Like that's, that's how I got my business education. Yeah. I went to work at global gym for two years. I didn't know Dick. I was this CrossFit gym guy. I'm like, I don't know shit. I need to go learn shit. <laughs> went to go work for Globo gym for two years, learned fucking everything. And then yep. came back and was able to, to crush my competition. And these guys that throw money on these big, sexy fucking projects, it's almost as if they just thought the money alone and the sex appeal was going to do it.
1: You, you know what it is? It's like uh, what people are talking about. McGregor, Conor McGregor, the UFC fighter, is like because he's a, you know making billions of dollars, he's lost his edge. And it's kind of the similar thing. It's like, yo, yeah, if you're worth all this millions of dollars, you're like, oh, let me get into fitness because like I can tell my kids I'm in fitness, or I can tell my yeah. girlfriend or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, blah blah. blah. Hear me throw some money, but you lose that edge from your first investment where you're like, if I lose this money, it's over for me. And you're, you're going in there every day. You're like, where's the end of the month spend? Where's the p and oh. And so there's no slacking. Yeah. But now, you know, you're like, oh, p and financial model. Like maybe we can just you know, make a bunch of money and then uh, get to the point where we don't have to think about that.
0: Sure. Yeah. No. And it, you're I think you're right. I think it is. A, I think it's a status play. I think you're right. It is sexy to say I own a gym or I do this or whatever it may be. Kind of like back in the day in the 90s, I knew a lot of guys like do nightclubs. That was the cool thing to fucking yes. own, you know, especially in New York. Right. Like owning a nightclub. Yeah. You were like, you know, you're the man. Um, so uh, so the the New York one, obviously, it, it just straight died. You, you know, again, there was no turning that ship around once the pandemic hit. Correct. And there's no resurrection of that
1: no uh no there's uh yeah we actually were able to like cut costs and like make a lot of good changes we actually um two months so i forget it was like march 20 was like i would say it was like right when like things were closing in new york and things like that um february uh we broke even so that was the first month that we were able to like go from like a hundred thousand dollars a loss on a monthly basis and 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 you know, it, rent in New York is just is sucking. So like, if you're looking at your your operating expenses, and you look at your rent, you're like, that's not changing. There's yeah. nothing we really can do here.
0: That's fine. Um,
1: So yeah, so if your rent is $40,000, like your opex better be like
0: tight. Yeah. I generally tell people you want your rent to be about 25% of your monthly revenue. If you get into 35 and 40% of your re- monthly revenue is rent alone, not even the rest of your OPEX, like not even the rest of your payroll and your fucking insurance and all the other bullshit, you are in an uphill battle, homie. You are in a real uphill battle. Um, so what what happened to that space? Because it's yeah, not so equipment because it's-, it's such nice equipment and shit. It's not like you could just quickly flip it once pand- – I mean maybe when the pandemic hit because everything was selling for 300 to 400% more, but that level of equipment – I mean, I if that, that wasn't easy. You couldn't, could it get offloaded or what?
1: No, so, so we ended up, we, we, ha- we broke even and, and, and that was a huge win. And then the pandemic hit and there was just, was it was more of like, we weren't even, there wasn't even a point where we were like, man, it's over. It was like month to month. It was like, well, you know, what's the current status, right? Like maybe they're, you know, maybe we'll open it up or like maybe it was like it, what everyone was doing. was like, how can we pivot? Yeah. But at that point I was like, man, this is, this is tough. Like we came, couldn't even win as a, as in normal times. Now it's like, how, how do we change this? So then we were thinking of like merging with a PT firm um, because there was like uh, that would kind of uh, at the time it was like, they were the only ones that were able to practice pretty much. Um, so the space today is owned by a friend, actually a friend's uh, physical therapy firm. Um, and he actually just said, yeah, Ryan Chow. Yeah, yeah reload, that, reload. Physical therapy. Yep. Um, he's the man. Um, super knowledgeable guy, and like he's just been like ground floor PT, changing the game in New York. So, um, but he inherited the space. Um, the equipment, um, was actually under lease.
0: Most, of so, most, like most are.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, there wasn't really a lot of like cash to kind of pull out of that. No. So, so
0: just, I mean, just get repoed back.
1: Um, I think when Ryan uh, inherited the space, he took over the lease, the lease it. payments, and things Got like it. that. But um, yeah, and then LA, we uh, finished that space in February, and then the pandemic hit in March of 2020, pretty much. That that you know somewhere in that time frame, but that space was exciting. Like that had like like custom Sorenx that had Kaiser that had Techno Gym. It had. Yeah. You know, it had it had it all It like it was a playground um, and that just never opened. It got completed, but never opened.
0: Who um, to shift gears on this? You guys are obviously, you know, everything we're talking about, you guys are working with some really big players. Right. And uh, I got to imagine, obviously, from a business model standpoint, that is less clients, bigger retainers, bigger fees, that probably the best way to go who would you recommend? Cause a lot of the people listening to this are gonna are that small time, the medium size micro gym, um, you know, and again, I, yeah. I don't know whether they, I don't want to, I, you know, I don't know whether your services like, you know, I had a, I had some PFPs out, right. And they're like, well, all right. For everyone listening to Stu's thing, we need you to start with at least a minimum of two fifty for us to work like that kind of thing. Like, I don't know how small a project you go, but is there a place for, and not like decorilia? Right, if anyone ever been on that fucking website, really like you know, bot-based fucking uh, interior design. But like, is there a place for the small to medium business owners for of the gym world to get design work, professional good design work, equipment list, like essentially what you guys do? Yeah, uh, something that scales to this wider, bigger market, which is the small to medium-sized gyms.
1: Yeah. And I'm trying, I have been trying to solve that as well, because I get a lot of inbounds because people get excited and they're like, wow, like, how can I do this? And, and I'll even like, at least on my Instagram, I'll, I'll try to post like, like quick solve solutions that like um, like backlit mirrors that sure, cost yeah. like maybe like $350. But then if you're on site, like doing a real project, it's like 20 grand. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I wish I would have documented it, but it was this GC, on site in West Hollywood for a performance. And he's like, he's like, this is what you could do. This is what we're going to do. And I was like, wait, so you just would put the mirror on this piece of ply. And he's like, yeah, yeah. you had the great and post. Like, it's how like, cool. to take
0: a, it's how to make a fit, whatever, a $1,500 um, backlit mirror for like $200 or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. So, and then, you know, people be like, Hey, well, you know, I'm opening this gym and I can typically know, like I'm not the right fit right away. Right. And I have no problem like getting on the phone and be like, Hey, like, it, asking those simple questions. Why do you want to start it? Why do you want to start this? Right. So kind of like helping them, like, think about like, what's your goal? Like, what's your mission? Cause if you can't think of that, like you're going to probably go down the wrong path of entrepreneurship. Um, so, so, but then, uh, you know, I'll typically be like, I don't know, if, I don't think it's the right fit, but like, keep me posted. Let me know if you have any questions, like hit me up, but, um, I'm trying to think of a way, um, and I, I of, of how we can scale our services in a more digestible manner where it's like, kind of, uh, and this is kind of the preliminary of it, is like that you, you take like a, almost like a quiz, right? And so we have all these spaces that we've done and like looks, and typically people can be like, hey, I like this, bright and airy, dark and athletic, yeah. this lighting, this, that. And if you make those selections, we can actually set, like, com- compile a package and send this to you. And then we can reduce the rate because it's a little bit, lot more low touch than like the handholding that we're currently doing for a lot of clients. Um, and then like curating packages. So yeah. like if your budget's this, we can curate packages along with Rogue and other things to kind of hit that mark. Because yeah. sometimes Rogue is expensive, but you Correct. can piece some other other uh, vendors together to hit a lower budget.
0: It's interesting, you know, I've always like, cause I've, I've come to this too. I'm not, I, I'm not an interior design guy by any stretch of the imagination. I can recognize it. And I, I, when I see it come together and and with the brand and all that, that's when I'm at my best, but the actual inception of it, not me. I'm not that guy, but you look at like what 99 designs has done, which is very similar. They, they hit you with 20 different brand logos and you pick which ones you like. And then they hit you with the vibe and the feel and exactly what you just prescribed. And then, but then they push it out to all the fucking online Fiverr freelance guys. And then you deal with them, right? Like you could go ahead and grab something like that, which makes an interesting marketplace model, um, you know, that's, that could be a low touch point, but yeah, I mean, Decker really, it was always been the one, if someone comes to me balling on a serious budget and they need some interior design work and they can't find anyone locally for, you know, a couple thousand bucks, I'm like, listen, you know, this is probably your best balling on a budget option. Not great, um, by any stretch, but it's better than you doing your own Pinterest boards or just doing what the gym the worst, what the worst is. I'm just going to do what the gym down the street did. They're using an industrial chic. I'm going to use a pallet wall and I'm going to use lead pipe fucking shelving (laughs) and like all that bullshit.
1: I know. I know. And, and that's, and I think that's, I think it's cool to like take inspiration, but it's super important to be original. Yeah. Um, You know, especially if you're in a smaller market and you have other competitors, like it just is like, if you're looking to get someone from someone else's gym, Another competitor is probably going to do the same
0: to you. 100%. Yeah, so I it's know. It, why it, every it, the gym tough. everyone thinks it's a franchise because they all fucking look alike because they all just literally just kind of carbon copied each other uh, over time. Yeah, give me your top three sexy like the the facilities that are still standing today that you think if anyone's traveling and they want to really have some fucking gym porn to look at, where do they go?
1: Oh man. <sighs> i don't know what's up what happened with west hollywood for performance house but i think someone actually came in there i think it was called like spark fitness they changed a few things but the guts in there was like cold plunge hot tubs saunas like that on the first floor and then you had this like you know massive training floor up top if you could get in there and check that out like that was sweet this is like micro led wall tv as well um and then uh and then again, Performance House in New York, I think you, you've probably been there, but like, you know, Ryan's always happy to have somebody in there and check it out, check the space out. That one's, a, it, you know, that was their first build. And, and I also tell people this too. They want to nail their first build too. But I'm like, you're always going to backpedal and be like, man, I wish we did this. I wish that. It's you never
0: going to be per- You know, you're literally going to look it's at it. It's never perfect. It's just going to be, you just got to accept it's going to be your beta. That's all it's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be an expensive <laughs> fucking beta.
1: Exactly. Uh, downtown Los Angeles. I don't know that these guys won't be as uh, welcoming, but if you can get in there at Soho house in downtown Los Angeles is pretty awesome. Um, and then overseas, like Amsterdam is sick. Like that one came out really cool. And the really cool part of that is the design for Soho house will like pull the piece of the culture and inject it into the, the design of the gym. So like, you know, out downtown LA is, is much more industrial looking and warehouse looking because that's kind of the surrounding area. Amsterdam had these like it was looking overlooking the canal and it just had a lot of like uh, inspiration from like Dutch architecture and things. yeah like that.
0: UK architecture is just at a different level like I've never yes. been, I've never been the one rebel or sweat at London or any of those locations but I mean they're on my fucking bucket list of places to go see Um, but yeah just anything over in the UK uh so, even third South space America,
1: third space uh, has some really third really space cool yeah that's yep
0: 100% yeah that's a great one yeah um, they've got some real sexy stuff, um, but locally, I mean, again, and it came from you know German uh, design that's come over here. John Reed Fitness is it one. I, I, I haven't yeah. seen their Dallas location or their California location. Have You ever been to either of those?
1: No, I haven't. But I, I've, you know, they're all over the place yeah. on on Pinterest and, and yeah. uh, you know Google Gym Design. A collective in Austin is pretty is pretty awesome too. Okay. Jeremy Hills' operation. Um, he's got a, a good mix of like. Um, product and he's even has like oxfit i don't know if you've seen that but he's got some of that too but um yeah he's got a cool spot austin is like pumping um down there so i think you have a lot of exciting fitness coming out of there
0: too now very cool very cool all right listen chris if anyone wants to get in contact with you they want to maybe potentially work with you or see kind of get a better idea of the scope of work that you guys do how can they best get in contact with you
1: yeah uh (laughs) sad but instagram for sure uh so it's at chris howell 16 so Howell with two l's and then my email is chris at spxfit.com
0: the funniest thing is is so you're chris so i i'm you know i'm doing my due diligence before this right and i'm trying to find i'm looking for your instagram and i i find chris howell and it says gamer as like (laughs) what you are and i was like I'm like, I got the wrong fucking guy. I'm like, but this gamer guy has got really good gym porn all over his fucking thing. <laughs> and then I saw the SPX fit thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, like, is that like, an, is that legit? Or is that something that was old? You just haven't changed or what?
1: No, I just thought it was funny. Like when I made a business profile on Instagram, I saw like entrepreneur and it's yeah, all this yeah. and everyone it's like, had that. And I was like,
0: fuck it. I'm a dude um, gamer. I, love I was it. like,
1: I'm going to just do gamer. It's like being in it, man. I like just being yeah. in the board time. That's so gamer. If you need something done, like we'll get it
0: done. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. But guys, seriously, yo, there's a post not too far back. He was talking about that backlit mirror thing where he shows you how to take this $1,500, $2,000 fucking, you know, expense that a GC is going to give you and do it for like $250 at Home Depot. And it's a, you know, really fucking dope. Um, God, that's such a huge opportunity. I mean, it would take a lot of resources, but for you guys to build up a fucking YouTube channel 100% geared towards fucking the most expensive fucking design for, diy price
1: that's i mean you're you're, i was telling mentioned frank he's like that's all he talks about he we got to get
0: youtube we got to get youtube
1: i uh and i envy you because you have that urgency for creation of creating content i just i gotta i gotta see if that's something that that i can do but that would be very cool because there's so many different things um that you that you can uh the correct term is value engineer value engineering yeah you're right it's like oh what's the cheaper way to do this we've got to value engineer this yeah yeah. (laughs) yep yeah
0: Um, that's definitely that's the way you say it to the clients yes yeah exactly we're going to value engineer this yeah
1: yeah economical uh, engineering that would be very cool though i I would love to see if that's something that we could do because that would would offer a lot of value for for folks too
0: yeah well, Chris, dude, this was dope. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm pro- I'll am i probably be up in, in New York at some point for work at some point this year. I'd love, we'll get together or something like that. Yeah. I'd love to meet in person, but this was awesome. Thank you for taking the time out today to do this.
1: Thank, thank you for having me. Appreciate Abs- it.
0: Absolutely, man.